Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Good morning, church. The scripture reading this morning is from Ezekiel 33, 7-11. You, son of man, are the watchman. I've made you a watchman for Israel. The minute you hear a message from me, warn them. If I say to the wicked, wicked man, wicked woman, you're on the fast track to death, and you don't speak up and warn the wicked to change their ways, the wicked will die unwarned in their sins, and I'll hold you responsible for their bloodshed. But if you warn the wicked to change their ways, and they don't do it, They'll die in their sins, well-warned, and at least you will have saved your own life. Son of man, speak to Israel. Tell them, you've said, our rebellions and sins are weighing us down. We're wasting away. How can we go on living? Tell them, as sure as I am the living God, I take no pleasure from the death of the wicked. I want the wicked to change their ways and live. Turn your life around. Reverse your evil ways. Why die? Israel, the word of the Lord. Genesis, hi, my name is Betsy. It is good to be with you all today, even if it's just in the comments below on Facebook. These last couple of weeks as I've been preparing this message, it has been so good to be thinking of you all and so good to be considering our community. I really do miss you all, but it was a joy, and it brought me so much gratitude to be thinking of you all as I prepared this message. I also realized that I am so grateful to be a part of a community that values the messages that its members bring and values the voices of its women in its community. Um, To have heard from Allie and Kara and Becky during this time and to be a part of those women's voices that are brought forth on a Sunday morning really means a lot. So, would you pray with me? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the ways that you have been with our community during this time. Thank you for the creative ways that we have found to gather and be with one another and to study your text together. God, I pray as uh, we dive into the text today that you would speak through me. that there would be a word for each one of us here in this place today. Thank you, God, for this morning. Amen. All right. So, out of all the passages in the lectionary that I could have chosen, I chose Ezekiel. Ezekiel the prophet. Now, prophets and prophecy can be complex to dive into for a 20-minute message. And I also recognize that it's really easy to just 
hop into a passage and glean some sort of meaning for it for us today without really understanding the context of who is speaking and where we are in the text. So let's take some time today to look at who Ezekiel was and where we are in Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel's name means God strengthens. And in the Hebrew scriptures, that was really important um, because names brought a lot of significance as to who they were and what they did. Ezekiel is one of the major prophets, along with Isaiah and Jeremiah. He was born to the priestly class, um, but stepped into his role as a prophet around the age of 30. We find out in Ezekiel chapter 3 that God tells him he will be a watchman over Israel. Now, we'll hear that kind of repeated throughout the text, but what that meant was that he was no longer called to be a priest as the class that he was born into. He was called to be a prophet. And the role of that watchman over Israel is to stand at the edge of the city and be on watch for any sort of incoming danger and bring that message to the people. Ezekiel is one of the weirdest prophets. God called him to do some interesting things, like he ate a scroll, he drew a diagram of the city of Jerusalem under siege on a clay tablet, and then laid on his left side before it for 390 days. 390 days! And then his right side for 40 days. He sustained himself off of a diet of barley cooked over cow manure. He cut his hair with a sword and divided it into thirds. In chapter 24, he's told by God that his wife is going to die, but he never grieves. He never weeps over her passing. There's greater significance to that um, that we won't go into today, but he just was, he was an oddball. In the trajectory of the book of Ezekiel, we first start out with Ezekiel trying to warn the people of oncoming exile by the Babylonians, being taken into exile, and then at the end of the book, it kind of takes a turn by way of a vision that Ezekiel receives um, about the rebuilding of the temple. And he starts to communicate this promise of return, God's promise to his people. So in chapter 33, we're kind of at the start of that turning point. Um, we're in exile in Babylon, which means we've already been conquered. What that means is that some of them are taken into exile, particularly the ones who were of utility to the Babylonians, the well-educated, the wealthy, the powerful, um, the ones who were able to help the Babylonians expand their empire to be great. There were also those who were left behind. Those were the disabled, the elderly, the poor, the ones who weren't of necessary utility to the Babylonians were left behind to fend for themselves. Heartbreaking, really. They were a divided people. Ezekiel's work was to be on watch for those people, to listen to God and communicate to them. In the text that was read, God is telling Ezekiel that his responsibility is to bring this word to the people, lest they die in their sins. If he does not heed this message and they die, then their death is on Ezekiel low-pressure text, right? I mean, is God telling Ezekiel that he has to convince the people to heed the message from God? He's actually not. The only thing God tells Ezekiel is to bring the message to his people. 
The rest is on them to decide to turn or to die in their wickedness. So in the context of this text, we have a few characters in play. We have Ezekiel, we have the people in exile, and then we have God. Today, I'd like to focus a little bit closer on what it means to be a prophet and why that matters now. The translation in the Hebrew language for the word prophet is navi. It's from the root word navah. That means to prophesy or to speak truth. One translation says that it can mean to bubble up or bring forth, which is kind of an interesting translation if you think of the message that the prophets brought. Sometimes it was just an overflow of who they were. The word navi can also be taken from the word for fruit or the verb from that meaning to germinate or to flourish, to bring forth. So when I think about that, and when I think about who a prophet is, I think a prophet is someone who is called to speak truth with the ultimate purpose of flourishing for those who hear. I think it's also important to be aware of that the prophets spoke messages of truth in crucial times for their community. They were speaking during times of great transition, of deep pain or desperation. So when we're engaging with the message of the prophets, we're engaging with the pain of their world at that time. I think that's really important for us to understand in the context of today, that when we engage with a prophet, we're engaging with their pain. In the Old Testament, prophets are often bubbling over with these words of warning or concern of oncoming danger, impending exile, um, warnings from God to turn and become who God created them to be. It was not usually a message of prosperity and wealth and great blessing. In the New Testament, a prophet is often seen speaking against powers of the empire. And by empire, I mean Rome. And by Rome, I mean the global superpower that existed to expand and be great, often at the exploitation and manipulation of those who God saw as beloved. Prophets weren't typically seen at the forefront of the community. They were those on the outskirts. They aren't typically the charismatic leaders of the community, put together, raised to be center stage. At times, they were on the underside of empire. You could say that a prophet is one who brought an important word to say, but not one who's readily listened to. Which, I guess, if you think about it, that makes sense. If the goal is to thrive and conquer, to rise to power and be a great nation, it's in the best interest of a system of riches and privilege to keep those hard truths under wraps. A wise friend of mine once said that the story of God has happened, is happening, and continues to happen. So if that is true of the text, that's got to be true of the prophets. And there must be prophets in our midst in 2020. Which brings me to our first all play. If the definition of a prophet is one who brings truth, fruit for the flourishing of those who God has made in her image, who are the prophets today? All right, I have no idea what you guys said, but I'm so excited to be able to interact with you all in the comments below. Um, 
thank you for those responses. I think it's important to recognize the truth bringers in, in our current events, in our current climate. So friends, now is your chance to check the box for an Enneagram reference on your Genesis bingo card. I'm an Enneagram eight. So what that means is that I'm a truth seeker. I'm always trying to find the meaning behind experiences in my life. When I was younger, that was listening to the voices who particularly affirmed and built me up, who helped me recognize that I was finding the truest way to follow Jesus. I listened to those who encouraged me to keep bringing that truth to those around me. But then I started hearing from voices who didn't look like me, who didn't live like me, who didn't think like me, but they taught me what it looks like to live their life loving their neighbor. So back to back all plays. What does it feel like to hear the words of a prophet? Thank you, my friends, for engaging with that. Based off of this text, I think it depends on where you are in the story. If you're on the upside of power, to hear a word from a prophet may make you uncomfortable. The word may ask you to give something of yourself. It may challenge you to reorient your position of power in order to lift up another. A word of a prophet might require that you expand your view of God and who God is for. Brian stated it really well last week that it might mean that the lines of your box that you have drawn for who God is might get a little blurry. That's not always easy to accept. It's going to cost you something. Your time, your pride, your finances, your possessions. Now, if you're on the underside of power or one who has been exploited or manipulated, you may hear the words of the prophets as a word of promise that one day the God who created you in his image will deliver your people. And maybe there's hope woven into the words of the prophets that your plight and your hunger and your pain might be heard and redeemed. When I started listening to the words of truth from who I would honestly call prophets in my midst, I felt really disoriented. I felt really uncomfortable. I felt disturbed. I felt vulnerable. And to me, that's a big deal. <laughs> the discomfort I felt with their words also made me curious. And that curiosity and the kindness of those I interacted with have helped me to grow. It's helped me expand how I see God, how I see others as image bearers of an all loving God. And I realized that I wasn't the only one to bring the truth to others, but often I was the one who had something to learn. Wherever you land in the story, whoever you are, the reality is that a word from a prophet is a word that will bring forth seeds of fruit. And I'd also like to say that those words aren't just for us individually, they're for the collective, they're for a group of people. Ezekiel didn't just bring a message to one person in exile, he brought a message to those in exile. At the time of Ezekiel, at the time of Jesus, and now, there were many prophets, many voices staking claim on words of truth. And 
I found in studying this text, it can be tricky to discern who to listen to. So let's unpack that a little bit as well. The New Testament gives a really beautiful illustration of the fruits of the Spirit that we've all learned in Sunday school, sing along with the song, <laughs> that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If a prophet is one who speaks fruit for the flourishing of God's creation, I think when you hear a word from a prophet, you're going to hear of the fruits of the Spirit. God is a loving God who created us to flourish with and for one another. If we take it back to the book of Genesis, God creates a garden that he gives to his people to tend to the land that she created. I can imagine that a word of truth will carry with it the hope for God's beloved creation, for flourishing over conquest, for together over isolation, wholeness, shalom for us all. So then what do we do when we hear a word from a prophet? Are we willing to respond when a word of flourishing for all of us challenges our comfort, position, status, or how we have always seen things to be? We see this in the life of Jesus who contested with the status quo with the intent of humanizing those marginalized by empire. His aim here on earth was to recognize the relentless love for the image of God in each one of us. And in order to recognize that, made those in power uncomfortable. The actions of Jesus were a shift in power for the sake of us all. I wonder what it would look like to be a community that believes and responds to the words of the prophets for the sake of the image of God in one another. A community that thrives in seeing life come forth from ourselves and from one another. I think it challenges us to take a look at who and what we're listening to. And if it's drawing us closer to the expansive, loving presence of God, I think it challenges us to sit in the tension of what my friend John calls conflicted allegiance. That a primary allegiance to our creator may at times bring us discomfort of living in a way that stretches us to listen to those that we might not be ready to listen to. It may dismantle systems of power that we have benefited from and will amplify the voices that are not our own. Can we hear those words? Can we let them change us? Would you pray with me before we go into the words of confession? God, thank you for the prophets in our midst. God, thank you for your presence in times of deep pain, in times of deep uncertainty, in times of great transition. God, you are bringing forth voices of truth in our midst. God, give us the courage to listen. God, give us the courage to heed the words that you are speaking through them to bring shalom to all. Amen. And these are a place where life is remade. 
Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If If you you find find yourself yourself nearby nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you have have any any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscove.org.